So when we're talking about having to change paths or getting the opportunity to change directions in life, sometimes those directions, those pivots happen at when we hit a brick wall, uh, you know, we get laid off or fired or whatever from a job. And I thought I wanted to be this and now I have to go be that. Well, that's an opportunity. Empower You podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you. Welcome to Empower You Podcast. My name is Kipway Cooper, and I am so glad that you are here. Um, For today's topic, we're going to be discussing finding new paths. As we move forward in our process, in our journey, we have to come to the realization that maybe the old things that we knew, that we thought we knew, are just not going to work. And if you're anything like me, that kind of stuff gives you major anxiety because that's all you know. But the reality is we have to be brave enough to chart new paths. We have to be brave enough to try new things. And more times than not, the problems we're suffering from, we're, we're encountering, have already been figured out by somebody, right? Somebody's got it already figured out. And we just have to tap into that resource in order to better understand where we need to be. And so I have a guest with us today, um, Mr. Uh, Alvin Johnson, who is the president of Hope Housing Foundation, uh, a foundation that is determined to give equity back to working class and, and lower class Uh, families here in the United States, and they're doing a fantastic job. Um, I'm really, really excited about this conversation because if we don't figure out how to find a new path, we're just stuck in the hamster wheel. And I've felt that way a lot in my life. And I'm finally getting to the point where um, I can really start to see things a little bit more clearly. And so being around guests like uh, Mr. Alvin Johnson, who is a John C. Maxwell certified coach, trainer, speaker, um, it, it doesn't get any better than that. And so uh, he is here to talk to us about what it means to find new paths. It is my pleasure to introduce to you, Mr. Alvin Johnson. How you doing today? Mr. Cooper, I'm doing great. And please forgive my ADDness where I, you know, just had to have it just right. So <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here. And this is going to be an interesting topic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're not, it's real easy to say, oh, do this, do that, you know. But I think one of the things that I have struggled with, and I'm, if I assume other people have too, it's this idea that everything that you already know may not apply in the way that you were taught. So now you're like, oh, so what have I been doing these past X amount of years of my life? Like, I only know what I know. So if those aren't going to work to get me from point A to point B, then what do I do? And so that's why it's important that we have these kind of conversations. I'm so thankful that you're taking a little bit of time out of your day to uh, to discuss this with us. Um, so tell me just a small amount uh, of what your childhood was like and um, the paths that were laid out for you when you were a child. Here we go. (laughs) Well, let me, let me start, let me start by saying that um, I read or heard something that says most children or all children up to age of seven are sponges, right? By the time a kid hits seven, their mental, everything that they will live their life on has pretty much been planted in their brain from their upbringing. So if you raise a child in trauma, um, violence, 
fear and all of those things, that child is going to have a very difficult path because they, that has, that's how they're wired. I mean, that wiring takes place from zero to seven years old. And actually before birth, because you can go back and read and study data that the people that talk to their babies and sing to their babies and read to them while they're in the womb, how farther along they are than most other kids. So with that said, uh, that seven year pre-birth to seven years is, is very, very instrumental in the development of humankind. I'll say it that way. So my childhood was one where um, I grew up the first 11 years with a mom and dad at home. Um, but my parents, well, not but, my parents were both teachers. And I will tell you that, uh, man, they come home and tell me, man, go in the room and shut up and be quiet. You know, I've been dealing with kids all day. But I can tell you by the time I was nine years old, I was molested as a, as a boy. Well, I am a boy. I am a man, but I was molested at nine years old uh, by a neighborhood friend. Um, my dad left me and my mom. He didn't leave mom only. He left me and mom by the time I was 11. Uh, so that pre-wire that I talked about, I don't really know how that affected me because, you know, I just don't know. I can tell you uh, the molestation that happened to me at nine years old. Um, I remembered it for a little while, but as a kid, you don't really know what happened. But I can tell you that it, it was magically gone from my subconscious until I was about 38 years old. And I woke up one day and said, wow, that happened to me. And I called my mom and talked about it. And she said, Alvin, I, um, I remember that day. We never went back. I don't know what happened to you, but I knew something happened to you. So um, I'm glad she was that astute because it could have got worse, I guess. Don't know. But that that's part of my upbringing that um, obviously God protected me from me. He didn't allow that memory to hang around and make me a victim all my life uh, from that nine-year-old period to 38 when I remembered it. But I'm sure it had some negative connotations on me. Just don't know, you know, don't know what I don't know. But here I am today. Oh, wow. That is, that's huge. You said zero before, you know, the first nine months uh, to, to seven years old can decide how you spend your, your philosophies about the rest of your life. You know, well, the pattern. And, and unbeknownst to the child, they don't know that. Right. That's why it's so important for the parents. Well, look at, you. just look around. Look at the children that have grown up in perfect homes where the parents were present, not just there, but present. Right. And accounted for and intentional about raising their kids. Look at the difference in those children that had that from pre-birth to seven and the children that had the total opposite of that from zero right. to seven. Doesn't matter what kind of home they grew up in financially, look at the structure of the home of the people you know in those two different scenarios. Wow, that is so, that's so heavy because, you know, in some cases, um, to me, I, I always feel like there's a reason, right? There's a story mm -hmm. behind every behavior. So you try to let people, you know, just be who they're going to be and you just move forward because I can't fix you. I can only encourage you to be the best you you can be right? Um, and try to be a light to you. Right. But when you think about the fact that there's a lot of adults who have no idea why they are the way that they are. Absolutely. Don't know and that they need to be rewired from what happened. Another another powerful statement that I heard, undealt with trauma leads to a lifetime of drama. Mm. Think about That's the right. people that, fortunately for me, God protected me to where, again, I didn't become a victim to what happened to me at nine years old. 
What if I wouldn't have become a victim? Well, I mean, what if he hadn't protected me that way? What if I had become a victim? Could I be a non-heterosexual male today? Could I be a Jeffrey Dahmer killing people because I'm mad at the world today? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. So um that's, uh, that's mental incredible. Health. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 everything. And Man. again, undealt with drama or trauma leads to a lifetime of drama. And the reason I'm so freely open about what happened to me because I'm not a victim, right? Um, right. I'm good. I'm I'm healed. I have processed all of that junk. And again, I'm not a victim. It happened. It it happened to me, but it happened for me. Uh, and the reason I say it happened for me, it gives me an opportunity to share this with other people. I can guarantee you, have you ever heard a black man tell you that before? No. Okay. You think it hadn't happened to another black man before? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I feel like there's only, there's only one other person who has confided in me that they were abused as a child. And they confided um, in you, meaning they didn't want anybody else to know. Correct. <laughs> that helps correct. a whole lot of people, doesn't it? I think as Black men, we are terrified of showing our weakness, any, vulnerability. Any level of weakness or vulnerability. That's why the Black man household is tore up. Mm -hmm. That's why families are falling a freaking part. Pride. Pride only comes before destruction. And I think even even more so than that, um, and you I know, to, the, there's a. I'm sorry, I'm I'm just so vocal about that. Oh no, no, I you, this listen. We are having a uh, this. The purpose of this podcast is to is to create space um, so that we can have these conversations. Uh, real world wisdom and encouragement uh, is is one of the main things that I really cherish about this podcast and the idea that we leave a ladder for those coming up behind us so they don't have to do exactly what we did um, is so important, especially for for folks who pre-birth to seven years old have had absolutely no control over their lives right. and who now are suffering from things and they have no way of figuring it out. So I'm my goal is to leave footprints. My goal is to leave a ladder so that we can we can figure out this learning curve faster and more efficiently. And so when you say that, um, I I believe that I I do know this that there are there are things that have happened historically, systemically to black men, to black families that create the problems that we have today. That coupled with a lack of awareness and a lack of vocal uh, exchange and vulnerability only exacerbates the entire issue because black men are not sitting here having this conversation. Well, but you know, I can't I can't I can't fully agree with that. Okay. I can't I can't agree with everything that happens to me today is because of something that happened to somebody else 400 years ago. That, that don't apply to me. <laughs> Sorry. Doesn't right. apply to me. There are no glass ceilings over my head. I am not a victim of diversity inclusion. <laughs> now I can choose to be. Right. I can choose to be gay. I can choose to be heterosexual. I can choose to be a man. I can choose to be a dog. I can choose to be whatever I want to be. I can choose to allow that to affect me. Right. And as long as I keep saying it does, guess what it does? You're, you're absolutely right. So I, I don't I don't totally agree with the fact that what happened to our ancestors is why we are where we are. We are where we are because we didn't do nothing about it. It's just <laughs> well, I, I I have to agree with 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 most of that for sure. I think there's always cause and effect, but I what you just said as far as like I mean Barack Obama president. Why did well, he have to be first? He's just the only one that said, "Man, that junk don't matter to me. I'm going to be president." So yeah. it could have it could have happened fifty years before then, right? Yeah, he I did, think the, he the, came from an African daddy and a white mama and single mom and all. I mean, come on. So <laughs> yeah, 
I hear you. And from the Midwest. And he wasn't too. even born here. He was born in Hawaii somewhere. That's what <laughs> <laughs> So it, it doesn't, you know, it's just what you choose to allow to affect you as to as to what affects you. Right. If you got a problem with me, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Yeah, big facts. Big facts. I think that takes a level of self-awareness and confidence, um, a, a level of understanding of of where you fit in the microcosm of life in the in the grand design you know that no matter what anybody else says about you you are still alvin you are still who exactly who you are and you are determined to to create impact with the gifts and the space that god has blessed you with that doesn't shake you know for other people no it shakes yeah i wake up every day with imposter syndrome and that's oh. a being used, right? Right. But I I wake up every day fearful that um, what if I get on this podcast with Mr. Cooper and I bomb and nobody watches it? Or what if I get <laughs> on this podcast and say something stupid? Or what if I jump on Clubhouse and and nobody and I start a room and nobody listens? Or what if I post something on social media and nobody likes it? Come on. No, we all deal with that. What if I go out and tell the world that we're going to build 20,000 units of apartments in five years and I can't get my first loan done? What if I share my dreams with the world and everybody laughs at me and think I'm stupid? Mm. Mm. It's just what you want to let affect you. That is huge coming from someone who has... um, accomplished as much in your life as you have um, man I'm, it, I'm i'm our company is too big to be small and too small to be big i don't have <laughs> any problems today that a check for two hundred fifty thousand won't cure like right. and i needed it yesterday right so it's all relative either right. i need to pay my light bill because i you know i work t- for ten dollars an hour and i'm worried about how i'm gonna pay my rent or i've got 45 employees and we you know we got so many millions of dollars a year in income, and I still need $250,000 yesterday. It's all relative. It's all relative. Wow. And your problems and the way that you view your problems is relative too, is what I'm hearing you Absolutely. say. So whether you know you, you grew up in a household without a dad or with a dad or with trauma or without trauma, it's still relative to what you're trying to accomplish in life. And you have to choose what position you're going to take um, and how are you going to allow it to affect you? That's right. So I one of my my pastors loves to say we have to choose our hard. It's hard to go to the gym. It is. But it's hard to be 400 pounds and can't walk around. Oh, my goodness. It's hard to be the best version of myself uh, and and do push through the pain points and fear that I have. That's hard. It's hard to be in front of a camera when I hate the camera. You wouldn't know it by seeing me all over social media, but I hate the camera. I'm <laughs> such an introvert, but you wouldn't know that I'm an introvert because I push through that and I go home every night and it takes me a couple of hours to unwind just to come back to normal in my cave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, so that's hard for me. But if I didn't do this, and and I'll, t- I'll, I'll say this, Grant Cardone said it the best, he said, the only reason you aren't where you are is because nobody knows who you are or what you do. So obscurity. So because I, nobody knew who I was or what I did, and I need people to know who I am and what I do to be able to accomplish that. The hard part is being in front of the camera and talking to Mr. Cooper, who's a thousand miles away from me and who's going to publish <laughs> this all over the world. That's hard, but yep. it's also hard to shrink back and go home and be broke and not accomplish my dreams and my vision and my purpose because I was scared to get in front of a freaking camera. So choose your heart. Choose your heart. Oh, man, that's great. That's so true, too. Um, Because it's all hard. It's all all hard. I I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, She bought a new house. And, um, you know, she was she's just trying to figure it out, you know, remodeling and all kinds of other stuff. And um, she's trying to teach her son all of this as she's doing it. Mm -hmm. And he just hasn't obviously he's young he hasn't experienced anything like that so he doesn't understand why you know it's that it's it's 
it's like you understand it, but because you haven't ever experienced it, you feel like it's happening to you. You know, you're not a part of something. You feel like something's happening to you. That's correct. And um, it goes right back to what you that, were saying. That, it's like, it's all hard. So doing this, helping your mom remodel, helping people, you know, be standing in the gap for people, that is difficult. But it's also difficult to, to not be trusted by anybody. It's also difficult to the people for the people who you care about the most to not see you as being reliable or strong or dependable or helpful that is equally or more so hard than you know lugging junk back and forth and ripping out cabinets and pulling up floors which is hard especially right. you know that's not what you expect to do <laughs> you know well you know and there's a way that that could be corrected for that young man and it's all in presentation and I'm you know I'm I have mastered the art of storytelling um so it's kind of like a pie. We got this key lime pie, that's my favorite pie. And here's a piece and you, you cut it and you feed it to me with a fork and it's super, super nice and I enjoy it. And then that same pie, you can take it and smash it in my face and tell me to lick it off my face, same pie. And it still tastes the same. But the presentation just delivery. wasn't that colorful, right? <laughs> So for a young man that is having to go through the chore, getting to go through the opportunity, see getting to go through or having to go through, it's all in presentation. So yeah. if mom would have presented to him that we have an opportunity to fix our home and make it better for us, that we get to build equity and make money and do these things to make our life better versus having to tear these kitchen cabinets out because I need your help and having to do this because we don't have a man in the house to do it, totally different perspective, totally mm. different outcome. Right, right. And that's- Get to you know, or have to. Yeah, get to or have to. Yeah, I think that, that takes me back to what you were saying as far as uh, what happened to you when you were a child and you said it happened for me, not to me. Because even though, you know, you don't have any control over that situation, right? but you also took the power back from that situation and have created that much more confidence, that much more strength um, that Today. you can use in your tool belt. Today at 55. Right. But keep in mind for 29 years, my subconscious protected me. Mm. Now, did it tear up all my other relationships in the process? Maybe. You know, I've been married <laughs> twice. I'm on my oh, third. Did some of that drama lead to to all of that? Well, I'm not gonna blame that. I could I could definitely be a blamer and be a victim and say absolutely what that dude did to me caused all of that. No, I was a jerk. I was a jerk in the first marriage. I was probably a jerk in the second one, and I'm probably a jerk in this one. But she just decided to hang around. <laughs> she chose <Man>. her hard. <laughs> she chose her hard. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, before I, I get into this next statement that I want to, that next question I want to ask you, uh, I want you to take just a moment and tell us about what you do and, and how you're translating your values um, into actions and into equity for other people to, to learn from and grow from. Sure. So I'll tell you, one of my beliefs, big beliefs is that we're not paid for what we do. We're, pray, we're paid for the problems that we solve for others. So what we do at Hope Housing Foundation, we cure several problems. One of the problems we cure is housing, safe, decent, sanitary housing for the economically challenged and workforce communities across America. We try, no, we don't try. We are a, we are a part of curing that problem of affordable housing for the masses by going into, well, what we used to do up until just a couple of months ago, we would go in and buy a 300 unit apartment complex in South Dallas, the, the worst one in the area. And we would deploy millions of dollars into it and, and make it and turn it around and make it a great investment for our partners, make it a great investment for the bank, make it a great investment for the community and actually give our residents a place to live where they normally wouldn't get to live under those conditions. So we cured six, seven, eight problems with that one acquisition of a property. What we do then is because we operate under a 501c3 nonprofit umbrella, all of the profits that are made from our endeavors 
go back into fueling the mission of providing safe, decent, sanitary housing to the economically challenged and workforce communities across America. So that means if we make a million dollars on a property, we invest it back into the organization and we go buy more and more properties. That's what we do. So we're curing, again, a homeless problem, a, a neighborhood problem, a crime problem, a investor problem, because people want to invest their money. People want to do good while doing good. And sometimes they don't mm -hmm. know how to do that. So we have we give those people an opportunity to participate in doing good while doing good. Um, and we cure a blight problem, you know, blighted properties in neighborhoods are not good. We, we cure a problem of hopefully, uh, I may not get to see this, but um, you know, that child that pre-birth to seven years old that gets to grow up in an, in a neighborhood uh, with section eight housing or affordable housing and things like that, the things that we try to cure, another problem we try to cure in that situation is that they get up, those kids see people going to work every day. Those people see, those kids see people doing things productive versus selling drugs all day. And so we, we do our very best to limit that activity in our, in our communities. You know, you're never going to get rid of that problem unless you legalize it, I guess, but uh, we're not here to talk about that, but uh, <laughs> you know that's a systemic problem in in the low income communities. You know there's always mm -hmm. a candy house. Let's just face it. Yep. And when we find out about it, the chick or the dude that's running the candy house got to go because we just don't want that in our community. So um, right. that's that's what we do. Uh, those are the problems that we're solving. Uh, now we have pivoted our business to go from buying older apartments and fixing them to providing new apartments for the same demographic of residents. So we have figured out a way, figured out a way to build new apartments um, for moderately priced housing uh, recipients. And that's basically everybody in any marketplace. We figured out a way to do that. And so wow. we're gonna take it and again, my dream, my goal, my short term goal is 20,000 units in five years. My lifetime goal is 100,000 units by the time I get out of here. And, you know, I think I'll live to be about 100 years old. So I think we can make that happen. That's right. That's right. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think it is so Well, it sounds important. amazing, right? That's a dream. That's a goal. That's And now I put it out in the universe. Now it's a fear. Because what if you're laughing at me on the inside? What if I don't hit it? What are you going to think? What if you, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But faith you know, without works is dead, baby. So we put it out there and then we're going to work towards it and it's going to happen. And you know what? I think for myself, I'm learning to just do it anyway. You know, I've, I've been reading this book. Players. Is that on my shirt today? Oh, <laughs> do it anyway. Do it anyway. You know, do it scared. Like, and then do whatever. it scared. That's on you my know? other shirt. <laughs> You, when you said, when I saw a video, one of your videos on IG, you were talking about starting that club room, that house on, uh, that, that room in Clubhouse. And you were like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I'm nervous, you know, but hey, let's, let's give it a shot. And I really, I resonated with that because so many times we don't, no one has the answer for you. So you just got to try stuff. Right. And the, 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 the fear is that, just like you said, nobody will like it. Nobody will show up. I was reading in this book, for anybody who is who is a reader in the audience, um, I, I've been really reading a lot more. And the book I've been reading is called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And uh, one of the things he talks about is the fact that the average number of people who will cry at your funeral is 10. And the rest of the people are going to decide whether to go to your burial Based on the weather, or go to the repast. Yeah, <laughs> and hey, I think that is John Maxwell wild. Said you said what? John Maxwell said something so poignant to that. He said he lives his life as if he would imagine what people would say at his funeral. Mm. So I catch myself all the time thinking, "What is he going to think about me at my funeral?" What will they say about me at my funeral? Did that action I just did inspire him to make him want to say that at my funeral? 
I mean, I, I that all the time, and maybe it's just because I'm 55, 56, whatever I am, and uh, and I'm maybe you know, I don't know what it is, but that's so so deep that you would bring that up, yeah, uh, that you're in touch with that. Today is the day and now is the time. If you have a good idea, good intentions and are looking for a way to get audience and to get your great message out to the world, I encourage you to start your very own podcast. You would be surprised the amount of folks who are waiting to hear your content. My name is Kidboy Cooper and I have been an audio engineer for the past seven years years and I am offering one-on-one coaching to help you get through the beginning stages of creating your very own podcast. Please reach out to me and let me know how I can help you. My email address is empoweryoupodcast at gmail.com. We offer one-on-one coaching, a live masterclass, and even a 10-module course that will take you through the entire process of creating, producing, and distributing your podcast to your very own listeners. This is a great avenue to connect with your audience and to connect with people who are in need of your voice. Again, reach out to me at empoweryoupodcast at gmail.com and let's get your podcast started today. Listen, I've been trying to do the work. I've been trying to do the work and it has been a lot for me at different moments, but I'm happy it's happening for me, not to me. That's right. You know, and uh, uh, a guy, you know, sometimes, you know, you get bummed out about your job or whatever, because in the process of finding new paths, you got to eat, right? So you're going to mm-hmm. have to work that job for a little while. You got to eat. So you're going to have to take these and do whatever you got to do, man. You know, uh, a guy, he said, I, I started to look at my job like my investor. And if I were to take on an investor, I would show up for them and do what they asked me to do so that they could give me the monetary support that I needed in order to launch my business or continue to grow my business. He said, same thing with your job. If you hate your job or your job is frustrating you or whatever it is, show up for your job like you would show up for your investor. Practice that same amount of, you know, uh, of, of dedication because when you manifest those actions and somebody says, listen, man, I just... I believe in this podcast. I believe what you're doing and I want to help you. Um, just let me know how we can, you know, let's, let's, let's work some things out. I'm going to show up for that. Right. So practice that now practice being on time. Now practice being aware now practice work, working through systems now so that when those actions manifest into the, into the opportunity that you want, ain't no getting ready. Cause you've been doing it. You've Man, been doing it. Help somebody with that. Cool. Hate your job so much, quit going. <laughs> just quit going. Some of us can't just walk out of I mean, job, I got to go to work. No, you ain't got to go to work. Quit going. I bet you get a new appreciation for that job by the first time that direct deposit don't hit. <laughs> quit going. Facts. So if everybody would change that mindset from I have to go to work to I get to go to work, mm. you go there with bells on. And the easiest way, man, the easiest way to get to the next is to maximize where you are. Right. You're going to halfway do where you're at right now and think somebody's going to give you a promotion to the next? Ain't going to happen. Maximize where you are right now. And I promise you, the results of that maximization of where you are today will take you to your next. Mm. Guaranteed. You ain't never seen nobody get promoted halfway doing a job. Well, I do see the only promotion they gonna get is out the gate. Some of these (laughs) folks be living on that halfway mediocre train. Right. I swear. And and complaining the whole time. Just quit going. Yeah. No. You know, we've had to release a few people, but I've never fired one person. Release a few people, but never fired anybody. You don't want to be here? I'm gonna release you to go do what you want to do more than you want to be here. You're not right. fired. You release. Because if you feel like you gotta come here, oh, you're released. Right. Well, you ought to see the faces in those exit interviews when you tell them that way. Right. Right. Because I'm not trying to kick you out, but if this is not where you want to be, <laughs> just just well, quit coming. 
Just and I'm gonna help you with that. I don't want you to have to make a decision. Just don't come back. <laughs> well, for those of us who can't walk out on your job, think of it as an investor. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Before you need to just walk out. <laughs> You know, Mike Tyson said, man, everybody got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. That's you right. talk about a pivot. Right. <laughs> everybody yeah. thought they were going to come in here and knock me out until I hit them in the mouth. That's exactly right. <laughs> you you learn to duck after you get hit once or twice. Right. So let me, I'm going to share some, share one other dark period of my life, uh, talking about a pivot and and making a, a decision a to do something different. Yeah. So I was... Uh, I was a painter's helper right out of high school, no college. Came from a family of educators, mom and daddy teachers, grandmothers, two grandmothers were principals. Well, one grandmother was a principal. Um, all of my dad's cousins were teachers. I mean, they get around, man, and it was, you know, I barely finished high school. <laughs> mm. Not because I was dumb, they didn't know how to teach me. You know, I was ADHD. Mm -hmm. OCD, you know, all those initials they give the kids now. Back then, they just said, you asked, I'm sorry, your butt is bad <laughs> and you need to be whipped. Well, um, so anyway, fast forward. Um, I got married at 17. Why did I get married at 17? Because I was scared to be by myself. I was afraid. Ruined my high school sweetheart's life. Mm -hmm. uh, she was ready to go to college, and I told her, man, you can't leave me. I had talk game back then, didn't even know how good it was, but she uh... didn't go to college. She wouldn't move in with me. She made me marry her, so we got married. Uh, we stayed married 13 years. My my wonderful son who came from that union, and today me and her are best friends, and she's living her best life, and, and I get to help support her and her mom, and uh, in her mom's golden years, who is actually my mom too, you know, just mother-in-law and treating me yeah, like a son. Absolutely. But I tell you, uh, I was a millionaire by the time I was 21, no, 22. From a painter's helper knocking on doors, uh, knocked on the right door, this good guy gave me an apartment job. Uh, they were turning a old hotel into a senior center. And the same guys that trained me to paint houses were now working for me by the time I was 21, 22 years old. And uh, that was a multi-million dollar job and we had a lot, we made a lot of money. By the time I was 24, interest rates had gone up to 18, 19% here in the United States. Um, nobody was building any houses and uh, I couldn't buy a job as a contractor. It was my son's third birthday and uh, we were getting put out of our house that day. The lights were getting cut off and uh, and didn't know what we were gonna do. Literally that day, all of that was happening after being a millionaire thinking, man, I got the world by the tail. And then uh, <laughs> and then the tail started wagging a dog. Well, that day, uh, I thought it was really cool that I would uh, be, my family would be better off without me. So I tried to commit suicide. After my mom, after my wife and son left the house on his third birthday, she brought him to daycare and she went to work working at Joski's making $2 and something an hour plus commissions. And uh, I went around to my mother-in-law's house and put a 38 to my head and pulled the trigger twice and the gun didn't go off. And then I took a bottle of nitroglycerin pills. Uh, nitroglycerin pills were used by heart patients. You take one, put it under your tongue and it gets in your bloodstream. It blows up in your system and makes your heart start beating again. I said, oh yeah, I got it. The gun didn't work. This will work. Bottle of pills, I mean, they're as small as a pinhead and that pill, bottle of pills was about three inches tall. So I mean, I probably took three or 400 of them. And before I went to sleep, I said, God, man, if you got a purpose for my life, then I'll wake up and I'll be okay. And I'm sorry for this. But if you don't, please have mercy on my soul. Well, I woke up 10 days later in the hospital in ICU. And the first thing I remember when I woke up was looking around the room to see where I was. And then I saw my mom sitting in the corner. So I knew I wasn't in hell or heaven. And I said, boy, and mom smiled and you know, her son was still alive. And I said, man, you are a freaking loser. You couldn't even kill yourself. Yeah. Oh. You couldn't wow. even get that right, dude. Wow. So to go from that to the lowest of low, came to yourself. 
So guess what? I have no choice. It is my responsibility. Well, let me back up. So my family nursed me back to health six months, you know, literally six months. And, and here I am today. Okay. But to go from, you talk about a hidden amount, waking up and going, nigga, you can't jump off a bridge and kill yourself. You can't pull a gun and put a bullet in your own head. You can't take dynamite and put it in your mouth and blow up in your system. And you can't even do that right. Wow. So I had no choice. I mean, you just got to go figure it out. When you can't quit, you just figure it out. You know, That's why I am where I am today. Because I can't quit. I've tried. I've tried to be a bum. I've tried to do nothing after losing everything three or four times. Now, I've made millions. Then I've been a mortgage broker, banker twice, millions a month in production to nothing. But every projection was pro progression was higher and the low was not as low as the last one. So it's been a stair step for me. I didn't have a plan. I just said, shit, I'm 18 and I got married. I'm scared to live. Now we got a kid and he's growing and he needs shoes and he got teeth and he got to eat. And it's like, here I am. Never had a plan. Just, just figured it out. Now we got a plan. You know, I'm 55. I got a plan. 56. I'm sorry. I don't remember how old I am most of the time because that's not important. But now um, having a plan, so I know I can't quit. And people ask all the time, man, if you had something to tell your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? You can't quit. Choose your heart. You can't quit. can't quit. Even if you fail, you can't quit. Just keep going. So that's what I would have told myself at 17. Uh, I would have told myself that at 24, the day I tried to kill myself, just don't do this, dude. Just don't quit. Yeah. I just didn't know no different. I thought, I literally thought they would be better off without me. And I tell myself that. And then the other day I had to check myself and say, Alvin, you was just being a freaking coward. And I really was. I was scared. I was afraid to fail because I had gone from nothing to this. I mean, literally overnight and thought I had to, again, the world by the tail. And life, life is this easy? What is my mom and them tripping about? And then when it was gone, it was like, oh my God. <laughs> Now I know what they talk about. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's just like you said that pride so, goes before the fall. Yeah, I did say that. But so when we're talking about having to change paths or getting the opportunity to change directions in life, sometimes those directions, those pivots happen at when we hit a brick wall. Uh, you know, we get laid off or fired or whatever from a job. And I thought I wanted to be this and now I have to go be that. Mm. Well, that's an opportunity. Sometimes that happens with a death. Um, man, I was married and now I'm a widow or widower. And now I got to do something different. It happens with divorce. It happens. It happens. You just got to figure it out. Put your yeah. teeth back in your mouth. <laughs> put some ice on that knot on your head. Pick yourself up and put your big boy pants on and let's go. Yeah. Man, they say that. That's that's you know, it sounds good. Some of us, man, we take them falls personally. I know I have to. I have. Well, I to, I, I take them. I, oh, every day, yeah, personally. No, you know, I've had to. I've uh, had to that, teach that's a good point. That. Not to take man, it those, all personally. Those, you know, like. But how do you, how do we do that? I think it's just what you said. I think it's just what you said. It's not happening to you. This is happening for you. There's a reason you're going through this. You know, and I've had to have those pep talks with myself, you know, especially after my mom passed away and things like that. It was just like, what is the point? What are we even doing? And mm -hmm. and you have to keep reminding yourself. And you in and, and and for some people, you know, I I had a a, a guy who said his uh his name was Ron Lewis. He said, You have to borrow somebody else's faith in you sometimes. People see you differently than you see yourself. Yeah. And you just have to remember that, you know, and so for myself, at least, you know, that that's been a struggle. Like I've had to I've had to really do work to be like Kibway. It doesn't feel right because it's not right. It's not working because it doesn't work. You have now this is an opportunity to find a new path to chart a new course, because just like you were saying, none of that other stuff worked. You tried the gun, you tried the pills, you got rich, you got poor, you got 
You know, so what is it? I you know, what married, am I doing? Got divorced, got married, got divorced. <laughs> That's like, ain't nobody going to come save you, dude. <laughs> but I mean, by all intents and purposes, when you were 17, when you were 18, you get married, you get in a house and, you know, you're working a job. You were doing everything right. You're working, working hard, you're making a bunch of money. You're yeah. making, you're doing everything right. So when all, all those things are not working, now it's the opportunity to make it right, not just look like you're doing it right. You know what I mean? Man, can I share something a little bit deeper? Absolutely. You, uh, you want to, uh, can we, it take about three minutes, but if you would allow me to ask you to, and this is for your audience listening as well, okay? Okay. So I want you to close your eyes. I, I literally want you to close your eyes and relax. Just relax. And I want you to turn your head to the right over your shoulder as if you're looking at someone standing next to you. Everybody in the audience, please just follow me. Just follow me. Now I want you to envision standing next to you is your ideal self. I want you to breathe deeply and I want you to breathe slowly. And I want you to look at your ideal self. I want you to look down at your feet and we're gonna start there that if you were looking at your ideal self, what would your feet look like? What would your shoes look like? Come on up to your thighs. What would your calves and thighs and knees look like? What would the veins in your legs look like? What would your waistline look like? Look at your stomach and your chest. What would those look like if you were looking at your ideal self? Just take that in for a minute. And then once you get past that, I want you to look at your face. Just, just keep looking at that person standing next to you as your ideal self. That's the way God sees you. Now, if you were standing, what I would ask you to do is I would ask you to take your right foot and place it in the place of the ideal self that you saw and then place your left foot in the ideal, in that spot of your ideal self and stand up strong with the confidence knowing that you are that person that you just saw. And now, as you're looking inwardly at your ideal self, breathe slowly, slowly open your eyes, and then let's talk about it. That's, uh, it shouldn't be that easy. It's that easy, baby. <laughs> I'll tell you, the first time my mentor did that to me, I was in tears because disappointment happens between my reality and my ideal. That's the disappointment. But when I can see myself the way that God sees me, everything below that doesn't matter. Now, every day, the hard part is working towards that ideal person that you see yourself as. If you're 400 pounds and your ideal self was 200, don't go to the donut shop on your way to work in the morning. Stop by the gym. If your nails are hanging off your shoes and busting a hole in your sock, go by the nail salon and take care of that. Go get your hair cut. Do whatever it takes to become that person that you now see yourself as. Walking in that confidence that you see yourself as. And as we continue to work towards that ideal self, all of those little things that we see, they don't bother us near as much. And then as I'm working on me becoming my best version of me, if I'm able to see what Mr. Cooper's going through and maybe help him with his problem, my problems get smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's that easy. Mm.
Hmm. You said you said something. You said um, that disappointments happen in between your expectations and your ideal, right? And in my um, opinion, right. And 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 what I was reading um, the other day was that you know, in 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 this book. And it says, success is the gradual realization of a worthy ideal. So that, that, that growth process, that new path, whether it's to the gym, whether it's to wherever, is just a part of that journey. Yeah. I say this kind of stuff, you know, because, I don't know, I'm, 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 I'm feeling like I'm, I'm starting to put some dots, connect some dots. You know, and when you say that, you know, to imagine your ideal self, he's not that much different from me now, but he's totally different from me. You know, it's it's yeah. that philosophy. It's that why you do what you do for what reasons, what motivates those, and, you know, and for me, you know, just the growing up. You had parents who told you how to do everything, who told you to do all number of different things for whatever reason, right? Well, you who instilled in you the B attitudes, right? For myself. That's just yeah. my own story. Very fortunate. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and even that can only inform me so far. After that, it's that still that relative space. Because you know, all they knew is what they know. So it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, $250,000. It's like, it's still just a check. <laughs> it's still just a check. You know, wow, that's amazing. So, you know, what was the, what's, what's been, what is something that you really wish, you know, young people um, who you talk to on Clubhouse or older people, who you talk to on Clubhouse? Because I know you you be on there hosting the rooms. If you're on Clubhouse, uh, um, give us give us your Clubhouse handle so people can find you on Clubhouse. Alvin Hope Johnson. All right. Everywhere, all socials. You, the things that you do, because I'd be stalking your IG, and I'm <laughs> just like, I don't know how you have the time to do all of this stuff, but I also am inspired by that because I'm like, you got the same 24 hours I have. Right. So I got to learn to free up more time. We have to learn to free up more time because I'm sure, you know, just like I look up to your success and I put that in quotes, not because it's not real, but because that's relative, right? Right. You know, right. this, what, what, what we're seeing in you, what we see in ourselves is a gradual realization of our ideal wherever on that journey we are. And it's up to us to determine where you want that end point to be. Right. I you know, agree. And, the, and those traditional paths that I was taught, some of that stuff is just not going to work for me. <laughs> it's just not, you know, well, I, and, and it's, and it sucks. That because I think one of the things that you asked me is what do I want the young people or the people I talk to any advice you're getting? How's it worked out for the person giving it to you? <laughs> Do you want to trade? Don't take advice from somebody you're not willing to trade places with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen, that's uh... it's so simple, man. It really is. Man, there, I think somebody said there are only 10 numbers and nine colors. We complicate everything else. <laughs> and it might be less than color. I don't know, you know, blue, green, purple, white, whatever, <laughs> whatever they are. I don't know. I'm not that smart. But we complicate. We the ones that complicate everything else. Wow! Oh my goodness! I know I do. I've been trying to. I've been struggling to figure out, you know, what my new path is. You know, as far as as far as like the content I'm trying to create. I'm like, okay, so I need to. I need to not only you know work my day job and be good at that, but now I got to really start turning up the heat on everything else I'm doing too. So how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And you hear people say stuff like, oh, well, you think about this too hard. I'm like, oh, I can't be thinking about it too hard. This is all I think about. I thought about it in so many different directions. And blah, blah, blah. it's just like. But quit thinking about it and just. And just do you're it. You're a media guy. 
Yeah. You talk to people all day. If you don't, you should be. Yeah. How many, you could do this all day. You're good at it. And the more you do and the better you become at it, the more exposure you get. So just do it. Quit thinking about it and just do it. Quit trying and just do it. <laughs> trying is a half-hearted excuse when we fail. Oh, I tried. <laughs> no try, we do. And mm -hmm. I say that, you know, it sounds easy for me to say, man, I fight the same battles every day. Same ones you fight, I fight. Yeah. Same ones, probably more. Cause I got a whole lot more water under the bridge than you got a whole <laughs> lot more trash in my garbage can. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. It's not that hard. Right. Mm, well, you mm, super mm. smart, man. Um, wow. Well, listen, uh, I'm a, I'm, I gotta let you go. I gotta let you go because it's been about an hour and I don't want to keep you. One of the things I tell people when they're starting podcasts is to be respectful of your guest time. Don't be having them just on there trying to be polite. They don't want to cut you off. Like, uh, I gotta go. Well, I, I appreciate your thought. I don't feel like this is a podcast. I'm just talking to my friend. Uh, we just happen that. to be recording it. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll help somebody else, right? Absolutely. I appreciate that. That's real top. So um, I want to. I want you to give us. Uh, um, you've already given us so many things, right? But if there's if there's a routine, um, uh, where, where we do this segment at the end of every episode, it's called the thought exercise, and um, it, the basically the whole idea is to give someone uh, our listeners a, a tangible. Um, easy to execute exercise that they can start to focus on and, and do consistently that will create results for them. Cool. Um, Cause I know well, for, for myself, as I study more and more successful, right. And I keep putting that in quotes because we got to stop thinking of success as looking some type of way. If you are getting better every day at something, you are building your success. You are on your way to, mastery which isn't a destination so much as a, as a journey a, as a journey right and this is all stuff i'm learning because you know two weeks ago i may not have said this <laughs> but, i mean yeah know. some of the stuff i said i probably just heard <laughs> <laughs> so you know what what is something that that someone can do when they wake up in the morning or maybe right before they go into sleep or on their lunch break you know that just helps them stay present helps them stay uh, intentional, not motivated, right? Because motivation can come and go, but intentional. Because you can do it scared, you can do it frustrated, you can do it annoyed, you can do it sad, mm -hmm. but you just got to do it. Motivation so is... does come and go. That, yeah, yeah, you said that. Uh, that's why so many people fall out of marriage because they fell in love. No, mm -hmm. you don't fall in love because you're going to fall out. You know what I mean? So... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You follow your heart off straight off of a cliff. Oh, I was following my heart. Okay, good. Your heart was not. <laughs> well, <familiar. laughs> oh um, man, you making this? You so harsh, man. It's real talk. I don't. I don't follow my heart off that cliff. Yeah, right. <laughs> my heart was not meant to lead me. My heart was not meant to lead me. No, we lead. Mm. We lead. We make a conscious decision here to lead. The heart follows. Mm. Follow your heart. See where you wind up. <laughs> <laughs> you know something? I don't know if I like that advice. <laughs> I'm just saying. You said, okay, let me give you something that's tangible. Because <laughs> some of our people might already be married and it's too late for them. Right. Uh, real simple. Spend less than you make. That's the first simple thing, but it's hard to do. Spend less than you make. Mm -hmm. One thing I would like to say is create margins in your life, in your finances and in your life. Some of us have non-negotiables. Uh, my pastor told me, man, he, he was 15. See, he had a plan from 15, now he's 62. So his whole plan has worked out because his life has done this. My life has done this because I didn't have no plan. But one of the things I heard him say is that when he was 16 and he had his high school sweetheart and they said they were gonna get married, 
One of the things he said at 16 was that, two things that are really poignant. Think of a triangle, him being on the left bottom, him, her being on the right bottom and God being at the top. Instead of them trying to make each other happy on the bottom, they both tried to aspire to be them, them best, best selves towards God. And that relationship would always work out. So being our best version of ourselves, going towards what God called us to be, the alignments in our life always work out. Okay, that's one thing. That was real simple. Yeah. But the margins that he talked about was living on 70% of your income. It doesn't matter if you make $10 an hour or if you make $10 million a day, 70% of your income. The first 10, he's a pastor. And so he tithed. I believe that too. So that's my first 10. The second 10th is over and above giving. Can I give God, you know, the people that believe in tithing think that, oh, I paid my 10% and I'm good. Well, no, that's just returning back to God was his. That's not a gift. The gift doesn't start till over and above the 10%. That's just me. And then the third 10th is your savings. And then you live on the rest. Practice yes. that. Probably, probably turn out okay. There are a couple of principles there. And, and, and Mr. Cooper, please forgive me. I, you know, uh, some people watching this may not believe in the Christian faith. Um, that's not my problem. That's theirs. Sorry. <laughs> but that's just my principles. And that's what has worked for me, right? So secondly, uh, that, that's a simple thing. Spend less than you make. And I think from there, man, everything else is just really easy. Because most people get into trouble, financial trouble, because they spent more than they've made. Everybody wants to be an investor to get out of the hole that they dug themselves in, spending more than they made. Mm. So if I think if we start with that, spend less than we make, save a little bit, give a little bit, whatever you want to do with it, but start with those margins, your life will always get better. Because then guess what you're giving, you're saving and you're spending less. Now that may mean you have to downsize or do whatever you have to do, but just spend less than you make. That's 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 simple, but that's choosing your heart, and that's so hard to do. Right. I'm a guy that needs two hundred thousand dollars yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish someday, someday. That's 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 one of my goals to to hit some good numbers. But so I, you know, and I you got to surround that. yourself with the right people. Alignments right. before assignments. So we believe when you get with the right people at the right place at the right time, the right things happen. So if we, instead of going after the things that we want to do, get with the right people in the right place, then guess what? The right people in the right place at the right time, the right things always happen. Relationships are formed. Synergies are aligned. And when that happens, the right thing always happens. So it's not as important as what you do, but maybe who you do it with. It's pretty deep. You know, I just took a disc assessment mm -hmm. and it was all about learning your own styles of, of your own behaviors and things. Right. Um, and I've been blessed to know some different people who I've been working with and I'm going to give that to them um, so that they understand who you where are. I'm coming yeah. from. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's powerful. Yeah. Especially for people that have uh, influence in hiring people and giving jobs and stuff like that. Right. A lot of people like to hire or marry exactly who they are and all that junk and uh, just get two people with a train wreck. Uh, I, I have learned to put people around me that, that strengthen my weaknesses. I don't focus on my weaknesses. I get better at what I'm good at and hire people or put people around me or attract people around me that are, that'll fill those gaps, right? And that's how we put together teams that really win. And I'm still working on that, still practicing that. So yeah, maybe we maybe we can connect again in six months and we'll see yeah. what we get. And I uh, love we'll that. See where I am. And uh, I look forward to hearing you tell me that, you know, you've chosen some really hard things and you double down on your podcast. That's and, right. And now we're number 10 on Apple and, <laughs> you know what I mean? and, and it's going strong. So absolutely thank you so much for that alignments before assignments yeah that's a whole word know yeah. where you're doing what you're doing and what you're doing it for yeah. no matter what it is that you believe it's got to leave one last first. thing with you 
the two great days in a man's life, the day he was born and the day he figures out why. The day he figures out why, his life is never the same. I figured out why I was born when I was about 38 years old. Woke up by myself, lonely, broken, feeling like I had no time left to get it done. And I believe at that point is when I figured out I was here, left here to help people with housing because I'm good at it. And now I never work a day in my life. No matter how stressful it is, 300, 400 emails a day, 100 phone calls a day, 500 DMs, it's never a day of work because I figured out why. So I would implore everybody to figure out why. Not what is your why, no, figure out why you were born. It wasn't just to wake up and go to work and raise kids and die. I promise you that. But figure out why. Life wow. will never be the same. Dream on, dream Johnson, president of Hope Housing Foundation. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. Really, really, really appreciate it. My so. pleasure, keep away. Um, I will let you go. To anybody who is listening, first of all, uh, you can find Alvin Johnson on IG, on Clubhouse, um, on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. If you look up Alvin, Alvin Johnson, the president of the Hope Housing Foundation, Alvin Hope Johnson, you can find him and you can engage with him. He's a speaker. He's a trainer. You can have him come in and talk to your organization if he's got time. Um, and uh, you can always go and subscribe to Empower You Podcast. Um Please, you know, we're, we're building something over here and it means a lot that um, an individual who has already built a lot sees the value in it. So go ahead and get that subscribe button, leave a review. Um, and we got so much more coming in the future. And thank you so much, Mr. Johnson. I truly Cooper, appreciate you. I'm going to reprimand you for what you just said. Uh-oh. You said that something what i heard you say was you were glad that i saw something in you something like that right yes you sir. Said something like that yes sir did you just forget who you saw oh that's who i see that's who i see brother absolutely you about to make me cry man absolutely that's who i see that's who the world sees and when you see yourself like that, for real, for real, life changes. God bless Ooh. you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. I will talk to you very soon. And God bless you. God bless you. Appreciate you. Empower You podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural, and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you.